Welcome, Agent Wagner. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, set up your laptop, put your headphones on, pull out your microphone, and make a bad podcast. Welcome to episode 46 of Sexy Bond, Sexing Bond, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of James Bond movies, hosted by two suave, suave men. I'm your host, we're sticking to it, Clever Villain, and allow me to introduce my co-host, Wagner, Autumn Cervantes Wagner. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't go for lame Bond. I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, sometimes we just don't um, – we don't have to diss each other at the beginning of the show, you know. And I, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this show because we have a bunch of awesome announcements up top to do. Mm-hmm. And a new segment that I want to introduce. But uh, listeners of the show, we are 46 episodes in, and I think Adam and I have finally figured out what Ghost Party Radio is going to be. And this is the episode that we're going to tell you what it is. Uh, first of all, Adam – we are dropping episodes on Monday now. Uh, this gives us an opportunity to watch new movies the weekend they come out, record the episode on the weekend possibly, and then drop it Monday after hopefully everyone has gone to the theater and seen it. Of course, we'll still be giving away like spoiler alerts and stuff if we're going to actually get into the movie like we will today with No Time to Die. Um, but are, how are you feeling about our new release schedule? M- Monday mornings. I think it's the way to go. Uh, hopefully, it still jives with everyone who's listening out there or three or four people yeah um, i mean it's 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 a bad it's, it's the it's the worst possible way to start your week and i, I think that's it's really great and we have to compete <laughs> with like almost every other podcast because so many podcasts drops on monday drop on monday but you know uh if it ain't broke don't fix it i always say um by the way you know who's gonna really hate that um that monday drop garfield garfield yeah <laughs> you, you did it you got it uh yeah so we're going garfield style dropping the dropping the ghost party radio stuff into the feed on mondays now isn't so. garfield style what you try to do with jen <laughs> oh my god oh boy uh let's segue into our next uh our next segment I think that we should do something at the top of the show um, called I've been calling it media diet when we've talked about it on like genre catch up and stuff like that, where we kind of go over what we've been watching. That's not exactly related to like, you know, Bond movies, what we're talking about today. Um, I think that we're going to start doing a little more talking up top at the beginning of the show, even if we have a guest like a guest will just sit there for. Uh, uh, not too long, six, seven minutes while we just kind of mm-hmm. chat and we'll just be nervously talking while we know we have someone waiting and listening to us. Um, and the more famous they are, the longer we take. Yeah, exactly. Like we had Justina on the show last week. He was on Eli Roth's new history of horror. And we talked for probably the longest we've ever talked when we've had a guest before. And you know what? It felt good. <laughs> but uh, the two the two new segments I want to do at the top of the show are media diet and then the discourse, the dreaded, we'll call it the dreaded discourse because every week, but I'm on film Twitter. I know you're on film Twitter, kind of, and I know you're on Letterboxd now. There's always a discourse going on. So mm-hmm. we'll discuss, like, what the new trend is. We'll date the episodes immediately when they come oh. out. Let's get into it. Media diet. You're talking about listening to some audiobooks. Uh, what have you been consuming? It doesn't even need to be movies. Just uh, tell tell me. Tell the listeners. I've been working my way through uh, Song of Ice and Fire books for the second time. So I'm about halfway through A Feast for Crows. You haven't touched those, have you? Yeah, I have, I have never – well, famously, I don't know how to read, according right. to you. 
Um, yeah, I, I love those books. I think they're awesome. Uh, and I'm really hoping that by the time I finish the fifth one, which will probably be in a couple months, um, that he's going to announce the release of the sixth, we, which we've been waiting for since 2011. So who knows? Um, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain to think if I've ever reread any books. Like the idea of like rereading a book as if you're rewatching a movie, I, I, I could it couldn't happen to me ever. Like mm-hmm. like to like make time to sit down and read a book or, or listen to a book, I would just never. Although you're re, are did you read them the first time through and now you're just like listening to them again? It's like kind of a new experience. Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot easier to digest going through it again. Yeah, it's, that's uh, that's some real nerd stuff. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, uh, any any movies you've been? Uh, I, I know for me it's October, and uh, we have these like winds that come through California every year that are like, called the Santa Ana winds, yeah. and they're usually really hot. And they screw with my allergies and stuff, but it was kind of windy this week, but it was like cold wind. It was really, really nice. And so it kind of actually feels like October here on the West Coast. And I've just been kind of laying around watching bad horror movies, not purposely, but just trying to watch different horror movies that I don't watch every year. Uh, have you been consuming any horror? I know, I know. so we were supposed to be doing Scary Boys, Scary Boys all month. <laughs> and, of course, like uh, we, a new Bond movie comes out, so it's like time to talk about Bond this episode, obviously. But Any spooky movies made their way into your queue? Uh, yeah, a really spooky movie, um, fresh out of can called Bergman Island. Oh, that's right. We apes to Bergman. If you don't know what apes to means on this podcast, it's, uh, when Adam and I meet up with a very, very secret group that we don't tell anybody about on Thursday nights, uh, here at the Frida Cinema and we watch whatever <laughs> new movie is debuting that week. Uh, and, uh, this week it was, uh, Bergman Island. We had a chance to watch Possession, of course, but mm. Adam couldn't do it. So we had to watch right. Bergman Island. I am a coward after all, notoriously. Yes. Uh, so, okay. We do kind of have to talk about Bergman Island, right? This will be our media diet. Yeah, I think so. But we do want to also revisit it because it is on your draft and we do want to have a Pomodorx episode later, right? About Bergman Island. Well, we'll, we'll do a, no, no, we'll no. do a draft recap episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But just real quick, like, like just first glance thoughts on the movie. What'd you think? You know what? It won me over. Like, about half an hour into the movie, I was thinking to myself, why was this movie made? Um, because I, I don't know. There just wasn't much of a purpose to it. They were just kind of talking about Bergman the whole time and wandering around the island. And I was yeah. like, all right. There was a lot more Bergman than I was expecting. By the way, this is, of course, uh, uh, Mia Hansen loves new movie, Bergman Island. We probably should give it some... Uh, Mm-hmm. Some details here, starring uh, Tim Roth, uh, Vicky Kripes from uh, Old and Phantom Thread, and then uh, Mia Wasikowska, who's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, and uh, Vicky, after this movie, I would say Vicky Kripes is, is getting up there very quickly for me. I thought she was my main takeaway from this movie is how good she was, and Mia was really great too. I, I thought the performances were the the big thing to take away from this one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Mia and without giving it away i think mia's parts and sort of the actors that surround her there did such a phenomenal job that that was definitely my favorite part of the movie but also super immersive super heartbreaking and romantic um i and that's what won me over too like i was happy to to experience the rest of the film once we found its footing yeah about 30 minutes into it i was actually shocked how awake i was because we watched these movies late and i was like the first 10 minutes i was like oh is this thing gonna put me to sleep because it was very steady-handed very kind of moseying along if if you will and um i was actually shocked like 30 minutes into it was like i'm i'm into this movie like it has a a steady vibe to it that i really like and it didn't hurt that these performances were so good so um would you give it the old recommend there somebody has somebody wants to go see or i mean if they want to go see bergman they're gonna say bergman but if they've never heard of it are you saying head over to your local house right now and see ifc's bergman island 
Trevor, I'm always saying that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I I would say it just because it's it's I, I'm not super familiar with Mia Hansen Lem's work, but it, it was very enjoyable. Um, and I'm I'm one, and it's it's beautiful too. It, it looks really great, and so I, I think you would lose that at home. So I I guess yeah, go try and see it on a big screen. Yeah, again, this is another one from my mom who is always listening. So there you go. Yeah, great recommendation, and we're we're generally pretty nice uh, about <laughs> you know, movies on this show. But um, that one was one that I drafted, and I'll say, uh, you know, I have Titan already. Adding Bergman Island to my five, my starting five there, it's not going to move the needle too much. It, it didn't. I didn't walk out of it being like, oh, I have a chokehold on this competition now. Like I have two incredible movies. You know, it's just a nice little movie. I don't think I'm going to get docked any points for it. So right. uh, we'll see how it goes. You have a floater with this one, right? Like, if I have one that's really bad, you can always rely on this guy to at least steady yeah. your hand a little bit more. I mean, with Annette, you, for me personally, you had one that I thought was close to really bad. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, your... I have Annette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was your first round drafting. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, Teton could have gone wrong. So, you know, you, it, you never know. It didn't. Yeah, it did not. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to the discourse. So, you go on Twitter right now. What are you seeing? I'm seeing Halloween H2O. Yes, exactly. Halloween Kills, the third Halloween 2 to be made. Of course, you had the original Halloween 2 that came out in 1991. You had Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 that came out in, I think, like 2009. And now we have another Halloween 2, the part 2 of David Gordon Green's Halloween take, I would say. Um, Now, this is probably a movie that a lot of people would think that we were going to cover this week because A, uh, Bond came out last week, and B, it's October, so everyone thinks we're doing Scary Boys, Scary Boys, but I watched this new Bond movie, I was like, we need to do Sexy Bond, Sexing Bond, but uh, any interest in seeing uh, Halloween Kills? Because I I don't know if I'm going to even see the movie, honestly. You want to hear something that's going to get me uh, to be the fallen angel of this podcast, the least favorite (laughs) host? I mean, okay, like, like as if this is gonna be the reason. Yeah, this is this will be the reason, and it's. Uh, I don't really like the original Halloween. So ah, that's the only one I've seen, and I'm not gonna see. I don't plan to see any others. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I thought your take was gonna be I don't enjoy to watch scary movies, and I was like, oh, okay, well that's an interesting. <laughs> I don't want to get take. canceled. Yeah. No. That that would. Yeah. They take your Twitter away for that. Um. Yeah. No. I can see. Listen. I can see someone watching the original Halloween, having no emotional attachment to it. When did you watch it? Uh, I watched it on a Halloween, maybe 2016 or 17. Yeah, so you are uh, you were an adult by the time you watched it. Right. Um, it does not – so that's where my galaxy brain take that I think a lot of people really share with me is that Black Christmas from 1974. Have you seen that film? No. Welcome. Welcome a new show coming in December where we're going to watch Black <laughs> Christmas for sure. But um, – that movie came out five years before, obviously. That's how math works. And I just think to this day it holds up incredibly, incredibly better. <laughs> That's not a phrase. But then Halloween. I mean, Halloween is iconic for imagery, music. Um, of course, the – I mean, Carpenter has a control over tone for sure. But it's undoubtedly cheesy at times. And I think a lot of nostalgia plays a factor in people's liking of that movie because I think a lot of us saw it very, very young. Um, of course, uh, Carpenter's anamorphic lenses look awesome, and Jamie Lee Curtis, like the the a star is born moment there. But yeah, uh, Carpenter loves anamorphs. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? You remember going to the book the book fair and looking around at all these, uh, what, what not not Pulitzer Prize winning books? What were they called? Like Newberry? What, what was like the award that you would win if you made like a good children's book? Anyway, uh, you would just walk past all of those and then just go straight to the <laughs> animorphs. I think there's there's definitely a need out there for uh, an animorphs review podcast. <laughs> what would it What would it be called? I don't you look I brought up this joke to you before and you asked me the same thing and I still can't answer it. Uh, how about anamorphiacs? Like uh, an, animaniacs? Uh, you know maybe it's not meant for us. No, maybe not maybe we just stick to what we're really good at. <laughs> Ghost right. party radio. Uh, <laughs> no, so uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a hor- it's a horrendous take to say that you don't like the first Halloween. It's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> and people already like me more as the host of the show, uh, but I don't think this is going to really uh, push them too much further away from you, if I'm being honest. You know, w- uh, one of our two listeners is my mom. You think she likes you better? <laughs> well, yeah, my, our listener is Jen, and uh, she does like you better than me. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> two to nothing. Clean sweep. Now, um, I haven't seen anything past Halloween 3, and I saw Halloween 3 last year. So um, I, I've heard that franchise is, is very good, but I can understand if you I didn't like the first one, just don't bother. So it, it sounds like you're not going to make it. So it's interesting. You, you didn't think, oh, I didn't like the 79 version. Maybe I should try the 2018 version. Maybe this updated version will be a version that I like. Maybe the worst version version will be better is what you're saying. No, I mean, this, uh, this, uh, the 2018 version uh, was accepted uh, pretty roundly. I think people really liked it, and it made a lot of money, like a ton but of is money. Is it better? Uh, no, I mean, I, I said go. people liked it. I didn't say I liked it, but, um, this new one seems to be getting pretty negative reviews and, um, I'm hearing a lot of the words about it being like mean spirited and stuff. So I don't really like mean spirited horror movies. Call yeah. me a softie, but it's funny that we're talking so speculatively about a movie that is out now. Like by the time people hear this on Monday, they're going to be like, wait, they didn't even go see it. Like I already saw it. Like, I don't want to listen to these guys talk about a movie they haven't even seen. <laughs> so why don't we talk about some movies that we have seen? Yes. Uh, I'm curious how many of these you've seen exactly. Well, let me do the theme song for because it's time to talk about Bond. That bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> um, so I uh, oh here's another one I wrote down because it's scary boys, scaring boys, mixed with uh sexy Bond, sexing Bond. Um, I want to suck your Bond. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> yikes uh the old uh getting canceled means that you can't tweet anymore that's that's in my book that's what getting canceled means um i have seen 25 bond films adam can you clarify something for me sure how, how many... many bond movies are there because i had a discussion about i thought this new one uh carrie joji fukunaga's no time to die was the 25th bond movie i believe it's the 25th bonk movie <laughs> yeah we'll, call, we'll use the bonk from now on that's very good that's very very good um but someone said it was a 26th and i think they're counting that weird uh casino Ro- like the 1960 something casino royale movie which is like not an official bond movie i don't think i believe there are two that are outside of the canon that weren't uh under um who owns it it's uh... the broccolis eon the broccolis what it's eon eon uh, makes the movies it's barbara barbara oh my god Eon makes the movies. It's called Barbara Broccoli. Uh, that's that's the producer. I, what the heck are you saying to me right now? <laughs> Barbara, ba- dude, I can't say this. Barbara <laughs> Broccoli owns. Uh, she doesn't own them, but she makes all the movies. The Broccoli's right. they own yeah. it. You, but who, did you know big, that? Uh, yeah, it's the big uh, MGM. MGM. Yeah, MGM owns all of them, but outside of that, 
I think oh. it's the, a Casino Royale, and then there's another one. Oh. Oh. I, I don't know, but I, I, so can you just confirm that this is the 25th one? I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, cool. they were marketing as Bond 25. So yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. I kept I kept seeing 26, and like you just mentioned, I kept seeing some people say 27. So canonically, I've seen all 25 Bond movies. I I, I took it upon myself to see all of them a few years back. Um, how many of them have you seen? I have seen exactly 25 of them. Okay, so we're like huge <laughs> Bond experts then. Like when right. people people are going to roll their eyes like, oh, these two dudes are talking about Bond because, yeah, we couldn't find a lady to come on the show and talk about <laughs> Bond. Sorry. I guess that they don't really like movies like this. Gee, I wonder why. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I saw them a few years back also. I went through them with a buddy of mine, Ryan, who knows this stuff a lot better. Um, he definitely knows all the producers' names. He would have been able to name these other two. Um, and also, Trevor... Ryan is an avid listener of the podcast and always brings up, uh, whenever we see each other, he brings up something relevant. He texted me the other day saying something along the lines of, F you for hating swordfish. <laughs> we, we had a blast talking about swordfish. Uh, is it F, F me or F you? F me. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, that sounded like an Austin Powers joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, it is very odd, and we'll talk about James bon- Bonk in a moment, but... Um, meeting people like and like like, you know some of the volunteers here like i'll walk in and they'll drop like a reference to an episode and it's like we record this show so that some people will listen to it that would be nice but then someone talks to you about it and you go oh god don't listen to that show (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) immediate embarrassment yeah okay so i have a really fun question for you um it's crazy we've seen all the bond movies so we can have like an open discussion and then of course we'll talk about no time to die but i want to run down to some some bond questions for you it's not a quiz but i just want to know i'm gonna pick your brain Uh um so uh the name of the henchman in the bond movies that throws the his hat to kill people what's the name of that henchman hatteras mcgonagall hatteras no it's uh you would know this if you played the uh, golden eye video game which is very famous his name is odd job right Uh, yeah yeah. ryan ryan would have got that one yeah but uh here's the here's the real question though what is the name of the henchman in the Austin Powers movie that throws his shoe? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen them all. Okay, so the first guy's name is Odd Job. This guy's name is Random Task. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's really good. Like, I literally was upstairs after I turned the projector off from Bergman Island last night, and I remembered that little tidbit, and I thought, that is very funny. Like it's just it's a, just a one to one joke on both odd and job, random yeah. and task. I love yeah. it. Yeah, because I, I I was expecting it to be something more perverted. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's just a straight joke. I love that. Exactly, uh, Adam. Do you have a favorite Bond girl? Um, you know what? I'm a sucker for Leah. I know that's an easy one. That's a great pick. My mind immediately goes there as well, but probably because I've been thinking about whether I like Spectre or not recently, and she's a huge part of that. And, of course, she's a massive part of this new one. So Mm -hmm. um, I find find her to be kind of weirdly – and this is very mean to other Bond girls, but – She's like overqualified in many ways. Like she's like right. she's such an incredible actress who can like definitely hold her own to Daniel Craig. And um I know Craig has a lot of like he like has a lot of power in these in these new movies. Like basically the only ones he seems like he's having fun in are the ones that he has a lot of creative input into. And this mm. new one, again, we'll get to it, but he seemed like he had a lot of creative input into this, into the character of Bond. 
Um, and I think that's really cool. And like him going out and being like, I want to get Leah Sadu because she's like an incredible actress as a, opposed to just some, you know, arm candy, excuse the, excuse the term. Right. Although I think uh, Vesper would be a very close second because I really liked her in Casino Royale. Well, she's incredible. I mean, Vesper is so good that we still hear about her, <laughs> you know, five <laughs> movies later. Like Bond is still not over her. And I just rewatched Casino Royale for the discussion we're about to have. And she's great in it. And I'll spoilers for a movie that came out in what, 2006 or something. But yeah. she, she like never loved him. Like I, I forgot about that. She had a boyfriend and the only reason she was with him and doing what she was doing was that she, like he was being held captive. I mean, she may have loved him, but um, there was some love she, there. Definitely. But it's like for him to be like hung on this, like her who like betrayed him and she was put in a really bad situation. I just love that. It's super complicated. And like, yeah. it's not like the older movies that are just extremely cut and dry. So, right. Um, I think after they blast his balls off, I think she falls in love with him. Uh, yeah. That, that scene is great. It's yeah. so good. He, he, he gets a uh, cock and ball tortured uh, by Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> like it's incredible. <laughs> That's your and dream. Then, and, exactly. And then he wakes up in Lake Cuomo like I like that Bond in these new movies like gets like hurt like he like he's like yeah. in like rehab in Lake Cuomo after that and you're like whoa like Bond is like out of commission for a while which is you know that's realistic like he gets hurt yeah he gets straight up shot big time yeah. in Skyfall <laughs> yes exactly like he like I love that Craig allows him to be like just yeah exactly like literally take bullets and stuff like that so um before we get into No Time to Die, we have to do this, and I've been kind of... Wait, wait, wait. Before you get too far away, do you have a favorite henchman? Do I have a favorite? Uh, hmm. Uh, I, you know, the, the first one that comes to my mind is Jaws, of course. Just an absolutely classic pick. But you know who was very good in a not very good movie recently was Batista, Inspector. He has mm. a great fight with Daniel Craig on a, on a train, and he does a lot without saying... I don't think he says a single word. I think he, has, he says one word the entire movie. He, he's quite good. Uh, let me think about that. Who's your favorite henchman? Well, Ryan knows the answer, and you spoiled it already, but Jaws is the best. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't like um, Roger Moore as Bond. I don't like those movies, which I know is, again, something that's going to get me canceled because a lot of people who watch the Bonds, that's their favorite, but mostly because he just was around when they were a kid because he was a Bond so long. Yeah, no, I'm with um, you. He's he's not. I yeah, no, he's not like even in my top four bonds probably. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but Jaws has this whole arc. They wrote him into an arc in Moonraker. They brought him back. He survives. Yeah. He gets a girlfriend. It's very sweet. I love it. We'll talk about the whole Jaws conundrum in a little bit. But uh, you know who one of my favorite henchmen is is uh, Famke Jansen and Goldeneye. Who Bo. <laughs> Hubo, Hubo, Hubo Halloween, baby. That's that. Uh, when Famke Jansen kills someone with her legs in that movie, I think it was the first movie scene I remember. Like, like my brain like turned on in that moment. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Same when uh, someone kills someone else with their legs in uh, American History X. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite movies. Um, so, do you have a top five? Uh, it's hard to say. I think I definitely have a top number one and then i kind of have a few that i would definitely go back to from time to time well uh i definitely have a top five so you're gonna have to think of one real quick but in the meantime i did put up on the at uh, ghost party picks instagram page uh mm -hmm. give me your top five and we got a couple of responses here that are legitimate yeah. uh that i will now read on the show okay. um we have one from uh brian ramo 
Uh, his response is, he says, in no order, Thunderball, okay. the spy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting immediately. The spy who loved me on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And then he has a part two. The world is not enough and Skyfall. So um, definitely a very interesting list there. Skyfall, number one. The world is not enough, number two. He said no particular order. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, uh, my, my friend Ryan and I like to make fun of Thunderball because mm-hmm. it was so boring. And that was when we first encountered because it's fourth, right? Right. So you get Dr. No from Russia with Love, mm-hmm. uh, Goldfinger, mm-hmm. Heavy Hitters. And then you get Thunderball where they film like 20 minutes underwater and you don't know who's who. Right, right. It, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I like that top five. I think it's, it's interesting. There's a few on there that are on my top five and then, uh, Ryan leads the world. That's him. His... Yeah. Is it your buddy? Yeah. All right. Well, let's read his top <laughs> five, uh, in no particular order as well. Uh, and by the way, mine will be in order cause I'm not a coward, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, from Russia with love uh-huh. skyfall mm-hmm. casino Royale Goldeneye, and moonraker. So, um, Nice. I would say out of the 10 we've heard so far, five of them are in my top five as well. So you'll hear a lot of recycled movies. But um, why don't we go back and forth? The, uh, I'll start, and then you can just kind of throw your in no particular order list, I'm sure, uh, out there. Yeah. Um, my uh, number five would be the Bond that I grew up with, and I still think maybe is my Bond, is Pierce Brosnan. So um, one of my earliest movie memories is my dad taking me and my two brothers, very masculine, of course, uh, to go see Tomorrow Never Dies, the second Pierce Brosnan movie, which I've seen a lot of love for on the the old TL lately. Uh-huh. Um, that is not my pick. Of course, I'm going with Goldeneye as my number five Bond. You'll right. notice that my list doesn't have two of the same Bond on it. I like a, a list that has one from each Bond, and then there's, uh, of course, one Bond that's uh, on the outside looking in. And a spoiler alert, it'll be our old buddy from Flash Gordon, Timothy Dalton. Well, Sorry, Dalton. Uh, he only made two movies, and I don't really love either of them. But <laughs> Skyfall obviously has the back. Oh, Skyfall. Why did I say Skyfall? Goldeneye. Uh, let me try that again. He falls from the sky. <laughs> he, he does, yeah. Uh, Goldeneye has the backdrop of that awesome video game that everyone always talks about. Uh, yeah. That I'm not a big gamer. I know you are, but I definitely played hours of Goldeneye. Uh, has an awesome opening scene. Good villain with a tr- old Trevelin, 006 there. Sean Bean, shout out. Famke Jansen's a really great in it. Alan Cummings plays a really funny hacker with like this huge ego. <laughs> like it's like, and of course, uh, like you just uh, were mentioning at the at the end. I think they're in like uh, I want to say like Bolivia or something. They have that satellite golden eye that comes crashing down at the end. Just like a very good payoff. And Brosnan is extremely good looking, but also will like punch you in the face. And mm-hmm. it just um, it definitely announced a new Bond really really well. I felt like so. Yeah, I'll say my number five is Golden Eye. Yeah, I, GoldenEye is so much fun because it's definitely sort of walking the line between over-the-top and serious and very. it still has fun with the over-the-top side of it. Right. And I think I agree with you that uh, Pierce Brosnan is by far the most handsome Bond. Even oh, now, yeah, he looks stunning. super handsome. Yeah, he remember when he was in the World's End. This was like eight years yeah. ago, but he was like it was like it played like an older like professor, but it was yeah. like still he's so fucking handsome. You're like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, he's like supposed to be like a creepy old man professor. And you're like, nope, not working on me. Super handsome. Um, yeah, and, but I I'd probably put Goldeneye on there also, but I won't just for the sake of not going it over again. Sure. Um, but I think I'll go with uh, Diamonds Are Forever. 
Wow. See, this is yeah. So your list is going to be much more interesting than mine, <laughs> and I'm I'm all here for it because a lot of people think that movie's atrocious. Uh, see, I don't. I, we didn't hear Ryan and I didn't hear about the discourse as we were going through it. We were just having a good time, you know, the watching dreaded, the movie. The dreaded movie. discourse, please. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's interesting because they that's the one where they brought back Sean Connery after David Lazenby, I guess, failed. I mean, he didn't do a bad job. It was weird because his Bond was still kind of in the same universe as all the Sean Connery ones, um, but. I guess people just were upset that they even tried to get a new Bond while Sean Connery was still around. Um, so this was his actual final one, his seventh film, I believe. And it was cool. I don't know. It was unique. You had those two uh, henchmen, Mr. Whatever. You you know their names. Yeah, and they have a, a very interesting dynamic going on between them, which is was kind of unusual for a Bond film. Yeah. What, what are their names? I have no idea, but I, I know that they're... Um, oh, gosh. They're, they're definitely... Um, feigning as queer, uh, if if I if I recall correctly. Yeah, and they also uh, inspire some characters in Codename Kids Next Door, one of your favorite shows. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. We get Blofeld again. I think it might have tried to finish off Blofeld, uh, Mister Kid and Mister Went. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I think, and then being in Las Vegas is very cool. There is sort of more of a, a finality than there was in the previous last Sean Connery film, which I don't even remember what it was. Right. Um, it was the one after Thunderball, which was a nightmare. Uh, but, was it Was it You Only Live Twice? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, um, that's the one in Japan with Blofeld in the, uh, the a volcano lair, which is pretty cool, actually. Right, yeah. Do you remember which movie? It's funny because Blofeld is so important in, in the, the Connery Bonds, but... There's a movie, and I think it's it's the opening of one of the um, Roger. It's I think there's a in one of the openings of the Roger Moores, where Blofeld is in a wheelchair with his dog, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No, but it's, it, I, I think that might be the beginning of Spy Who Loved Me. But it, uh, it's really funny because, like the like you saying that is so on the nose for a Roger Moore James Bond movie. Like it's yeah. immediately so silly. Yeah, they don't give an F about it, which I, in this circumstance I hate. And like a heli- he, James Bond, I think, is in a helicopter, and they, he just picks up Blofeld in the, and drops him down a chimney, and he's dead. And that's it. <laughs> and that's the opening of the movie, and then they just go into the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, those, those, I can describe those movies that Moore did as like straight up like madcap, like, like joking. And yeah. Racist. <laughs> yeah, like... also, yeah. His first one being Live and Let Die is pretty wild. Like to it, take to take your first Bond movie and have it take place in like the American South and just really like do it so poorly. Yeah. Like such bad on, taste. Yeah. Lean on voodoo so much where you're like, this is a James Bond movie. What's going on? Great, great, great theme song though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's an interesting, that's a really interesting pick. Diamonds are forever. Your list is immediately more interesting than mine. Uh, I do want to say shout out to Martin Campbell who directed golden Knight, but also directed casino Royale. Yeah. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, and it, it, did you know, and again, we still haven't gotten to No Time to Die, but did you know that Kerry Joji Fukunaga was the first American director to make a Bond film? Is that so? That's true. Apparently he is, and he didn't even know that until, like, post. Someone said it to him, and he was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize like that, like, Americans <laughs> couldn't make Bond movies. I didn't even, I, I, 
didn't think of Mendez as a British guy, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, he's have you ever heard him talk? He's like he's super super British. I, I've never heard him talk in my life. Uh, well, he won an Oscar, so I guess you uh, must have skipped out that year when he mm-hmm. was chatting chatting it up. I used to think that Roger Deakins who shot Skyfall was Australian and then and he spoke and I was like, "Nope, not Australian, definitely just he's a, a Cali a gal." <laughs> no, he's, just, he's he has a heavy accent, but it was British. Uh number 4 for me is going to be a Roger Moore film. Uh, that I just said, and it was not the beginning of this movie, but it's uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, which is like kind of what I think of when I think of a James Bond movie. Like you have the the underwater lair and like the Lamborghini that can like basically go underwater and the Bond girl, the, the Bond girl who has like a machine gun and all the henchmen. Like it's, it's, it's really what like Austin Powers is like riffing off of. And um, it's not so silly. Like, I know it just sounds very silly, but comparatively to the other Moore movies, it's not that silly. Um, I think it has an awesome opening scene where the, you know, he's in the snow all with, on skis, and then he, all of a sudden he, like, parachutes down. It's, it's really, really great. Uh, and you, uh, you, you need to revisit it. If you don't remember it, you need to revisit it, and you might like it as a Moore Bond movie. That's my number four. Is that the one? So there's a single scene in these Bond movies that is – Lit by Stanley Kubrick, and I think it's in that movie, right? <laughs> I believe it is. I believe it is. Yeah, because yes. it, it's inside of a submarine, and it's just it a is. super wide shot. Uh, yep. I don't know what he was doing over there. It I, also has one of the most in- insane miniature uh, scenes that I've ever seen. Like, they're in a boat, and they shoot out the side of a Bond villain lair, and they cut to a shot of a miniature, like, like like boat falling into water and it literally looks like a little child took a boat a plastic boat and just threw it into the water that was also kubrick's idea (laughs) that may have been yeah the scene that kubrick lit um yeah that's i don't know roger moore just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth but i think revisiting it might be cool that that's the one you should revisit it for sure uh what would you put as your number four before we get too far from the idea of the spy who loved me um, another thing Ryan and I did as we were watching these movies is kept track of the number of women that Bond slept with throughout these films. Right. Um, not not in overall. We used to have an overall number, but in terms of like per movie, mm-hmm. do you know which movie he sleeps with the most women in? Oh, for sure. I definitely know. It, Go it's got to be um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. No. Really? Oh, yeah. my God. That movie, and we're about to talk about it, uh, that movie is such a fox in the hen house situation where like george lazenby gets into like this like i think it's like a it's a it's a well, i don't even know what you would call it back then i think it's like a sanitarium or i think it's like a a, a mental health research facility up in the snow and lazenby gets in there and i feel like the movie is him like going room to room sleeping with women so what what's the one where he sleeps with the most it is but he doesn't get up to the number that sean connery does into from russia with love really yeah oh which is four. <laughs> so he, uh, oh, really? It's only, okay, so four. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. that, From Mushroom of Love, is very much like just gallivanting through Europe. Like spy movie guy goes through Europe. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. Which is, and at one point he does sleep with two women, which is what gets his numbers up, you know, women per hour in terms yeah. of these Bond movies. The mileage, these, if you will. These movies are wild. Let's speed this up a little bit. Wait, though. wait, but you know what? what's funny on the alternate side is two uh, the two movies where Bond only sleeps with one woman, woman uh, maybe he does that more, but uh, Casino Royale and, uh-huh. spoiler, this last one, No Time to Die. Yeah, so yeah, that's another thing. It's like the new modern movies, Craig really tries to... Uh, how many women does he sleep with in Skyfall? Because the Bond, the Bond lady in that movie is like Judy Dench, isn't it? 
Right. I don't. I, that's a good question. I, isn't there? There's oh, one where right. he's like the, on the ship. Yep, you're right. It's, it's Monica Bellucci and Bernice Bergeau, actually. I think so. Yeah. Right. So he puts he puts up some numbers in that one. Yeah, but he yeah that's having, crazy. He falls in love in these other movies. It's like yeah, a that's, weirdo. That's not masculine. That's crazy. Yeah. What is he doing? All right. Um. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. What's your number four? Uh, I'm gonna go with to, from Russia with Love, um, which okay. I think is such a strong movie. I think Doctor No is fine from what I remember, but didn't really have the personality quite yet. Right. Um, whereas from Russia with Love has a lot of personality, has these great ideas. And it's just going from zero to 60. This that movie is the reason why we have bonds today. Yeah. So this is my number two. This is my Connery pick. And it's crazy that uh, Goldfinger doesn't make my list. But uh, I played a double feature when Connery passed away uh, that got eaten up by the new cycle of the election last year. It was our lowest attended drive-in that we did out of the 150 that we did i think like 35 cars showed up it was a double feature of from mushroom with love and goldfinger the week that sean connery passed away <laughs> and no one showed up because it was also it was also the week of the election so right. like I, you know people were just not going out but um yeah I, I agree with you totally this is yeah like i said this is my second favorite bond movie uh, i do love watching it as an adult and seeing robert shaw from jaws as the henchman the bad mm-hmm. guy and i'm like whoa like uh, talk about people who are completely overqualified to be in a bond movie yeah it's really well done and i know that there's a little trivia out there but tarantino said that that's his favorite and i think we could get him to direct a bond in the future but i doubt it yeah now that uh uh Fukunaga's opened the gates on american directors sure yeah thank you um, but yeah, so, uh, that's your number four. My, I, I'm doing my number. Uh, yeah, I'm doing my number three on her majesty's secret service. Uh, the ladies and B one, I think it's really, really great. And I read an article recently where Soderbergh, our, our boy Soderbergh was talking about how great it is. And if you haven't watched it in a while, you should go back and watch it. Cause it's like extremely modern the way that the camera's moving and the way it's cut together and has an, has a really, really downbeat ending, probably the most downbeat ending, um, you know, until the new one. And, it's really great. Like a bond gets married spoilers for on her majesty's secret service. I think Lazenby does an okay job hopping into it. Like if it, if it was Connery in this movie, people would be like, Oh, this is the best bond movie. I think I love how it's isolated. Like I said, it has the Fox in the hen house thing going on for it. There's a big uh, reference to it inspector when they, when he meets Lisa do for the first time. And they're kind of up on that layer up in the snow. Um, and uh, yeah, I love it. I, I think, I think it's really great and super underrated. And uh, I'll already say my number two is from Russia with Love. So uh, what's your number three? Um, you know, what's interesting is I actually I think the continuation is from Her Majesty's Secret Service to um, Diamonds Are Forever. Because I think Sean Connery in that movie remembers, yep. spoiler again, that his wife died in the previous yeah. one. In the last scene. It's, it's incredible. It's right. so crazy. You're like, holy shit. Like it was a different guy, but it was him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I Look, I, all I know is that the next two that I like uh, are Skyfall and Casino Royale, and I'd probably put Casino Royale at number one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you have three left, so. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, dealer's choice. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, so, yeah, I mean, if you were to literally make a top five and not have my stupid little things on there of like oh you can only have one from each bond i feel like craig probably gets like at least two in the top five connery gets two in the top five so you're left with that one from some other james bond and it's probably Um, pierce one of pierce's goldeneye specifically maybe (laughs) i mean it depends on who you grow up with but you know to not put like a a more something like that feels really wrong to me so that's why i put my dumb limitations on it but yeah my number one would be skyfall and I, i went back and forth it's like of course, Casino Royale is probably like the second best Bond movie. I think that the two best Bond movies are just like, I think 
you, I mean, you could make the argument for anything, really, if you wanted to, but it's got to be because you know probably on Skyfall. I mean, they're both, like, kind of impeccably made. Uh, Skyfall, they're both weirdly reboots on the same Daniel Craig Bonds, which is interesting, but what Skyfall does better than Casino Royale is it introduces Q and M and all of these awesome, the awesome team that we see in Spectre and, and not enough in No Time to Die, if you ask me, but um, you enter like Ralph uh, Fiennes and uh, Ben Wishaw and Naomi Harris, and these incredible actors just come in and it's like, that's gotta be Daniel Craig being like, let's get some like serious talent up in here. Like let's get Sam Mendes to direct it. Let's get Roger Deakins to shoot it. Um, it just comes off. Oh, I mean, of course, Javier Bardem as Silva is like one of the best Bond villains. Mm-hmm. So can't really argue against Skyfall being my favorite. And a lot of people think that it falls off in the third act. I think the third act is incredible. Like yeah, it looks yeah. so good. I love the old the idea of, of Bond going home alone um, on these bad guys and just setting up traps and stuff like that. And um, have yeah. you ever thought, so Albert Finney shows up at the end of the movie. You ever thought about when he opens the door to Skyfall, his, uh, his home? Uh, does it seem obvious to you that they wanted to cast someone else in that role? <laughs> I don't remember well enough. So we we go to Skyfall and we learn Skyfall is the name of James Bond's child childhood home, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the uh, I believe like the groundskeeper is still there, and uh, it's like an old man, and he opens the door, and it's Albert Finney, who's incredible. I mean, we love Albert Finney, but, uh, you know Miller's Crossing, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, they definitely wanted Sean Connery, <laughs> like like they definitely wanted yeah. Sean Connery, <laughs> and he clearly was like, no, I'm not doing it, you know. <laughs> but if it was Connery, uh, I mean, problematic stuff aside, I think that would have been really really great. But Finney's super good in it. You have this really emotional stuff with uh, M, Judy Dench at the end, and uh, Silva like tracking them down in the snow. It's it's really really a great finale and a uh, really great movie. I need I do need to revisit it very soon because I only revisited Casino Royale. Yeah, same here. I only revisited Casino Royale, and it's such a cool. I mean, it's obvious they were going for the gritty reboot, right? But I think they nailed it. I really like sort of the stakes that they bring up in this one. They they do flesh out Bond as like. Someone who keeps getting into trouble and too right. headstrong, you know, not a perfect character at all. Um, yes, so a lot of people talk about how Raiders of the Lost Ark has that perfect opening scene where you learn a ton about Indiana Jones, like immediately through his actions. Mm-hmm. The opening scene of Casino Royale is very similar, I noticed yeah. this time. You learn that he's not above just killing people. He's not above, you know, making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, he he, he kind of makes a mess. He's very reckless. Uh, he's more Jason Bourne than your typical although pierce brosnan would punch someone in the face i think everybody before that would use their wit and stuff so mm-hmm. pierce brosnan kind of was like the the thing in the middle of course but yeah I, th- I think that it's a really great reboot and again shout out to martin campbell like coming in and doing the reboot of both you know golden eye <laughs> yeah. and casino royale he's got to be the best bond director ever which is which is really crazy because if you look at the rest of his like he made the green lantern or yeah the green <laughs> lantern movie so like his rest of his work's not incredible or anything but he, he's a great bond director right just, well that's the thing is like i don't know yeah probably the best bond director and just because he has that range you know he's able to still like hear what the studio wants to go for and able to bring it out you know i think that's so cool yeah yeah um, absolutely like so if dev patel is like announces the next bond right and they say martin campbell's gonna direct it, i'll be like all right let's do it like this is gonna be a great reboot right for this, yeah. for this franchise do it absolutely. could you imagine if he pulls off the hat trick of like great reboots that would be i mean why not he's the king of that right now it's not a bad legacy to have that that's for sure right um, and uh but i think um also i love that there's a set piece in casino royale the actual uh, I, I know you're, I know what you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. Oh, uh, uh, Texas Hold'em. Yeah, the actual game that they play in there for a little bit, um, which 
uh, every time I remember this movie, it feels like it's such a huge part because it's called Casino Royale, but it's, it doesn't. It's like maybe less than a fourth of the whole movie, which is yeah. Very so cool. it's, it's crazy. I, I I pitched the idea of the movie as like a movie where they mostly sit around and play poker, but mm-hmm. I think we actually only see them play like three hands. They're constantly getting up from the table. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like just this middle ground where they all meet. I thought you were gonna mention the weird part where there's a set piece, like not not necessarily an action set piece, but in the uh, the bodies exhibit. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, like a... making use of something that was around at the time. Yeah, that was so specific and weird. Like I was like, did they they definitely were like a sponsor on this movie? But yeah, and um... then he kills the guy in there, and people definitely noticed, but they were just shooting it very close up so that it seemed like people didn't notice. Yeah, that was really weird. He was like, he like casually like puts him down, and I, if I was there, I'd be like, that man is dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like we're not. Let's. What are we doing here? This man is is has no longer breathing. <laughs> um, well, that was our top five. Our, our kind of scrappy top five makeshift. I mean, uh, you know, ranking James Bond movies is like ranking Kanye albums. You could just give me any of them in any order, and I'd be like, all right, that's a, a, a genuinely, I guess, a valid opinion because everyone has different t- tastes and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. before um, we before we get into No Time to Die, do you remember how Moonraker ends? Uh, yeah, uh, with in having with them having sex in zero g gravity. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't know, Jaws <laughs> and the 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 uh, down at headquarters. They bring in the queen and they say, hey, we're going to call Bond uh, through this video live feed so you can thank him yourself. <laughs> That's really good. It's That's ridiculous. really good. Yeah, the more movies are great. I agree with you. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about 2021's No Time to Die, which came out this past weekend, directed, like I, we've been mentioning, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who you guys might know from uh, Sin Nombre and uh, the first season of True Detective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was supposed to direct the It uh, movie that made a billion dollars. He's a very specific um creative voice that uh i notice has often been kicked off of projects because and he's gotten like far into them and he's been kicked off of them for kind of sticking to his guns and wanting to be a singular voice uh interestingly enough i don't know if you remember this but danny boyle was supposed to direct this film he got kicked off of it and kerry joji fukunagua took uh took his job so uh kind of a reverse thing here the tagline is the mission that changes everything begins let me try that again the mission that changes everything begins. Right, which is, uh, you know, it, it's a m- mission's a continuation, essentially. Yeah. I, I mean, you know what? Let's talk really briefly without spoilers, and then we'll get into spoilers because I know this episode's already running pretty long. But um, basically, we, we open with Bond, and he's uh, enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. D- is this constantly happening in Bond movies? I feel like <laughs> Craig's Bond is always opening up with, like, a Heineken in, like, Jamaica <laughs> or the Bahamas. And right. you're just like... Man, that I would watch just that movie where like no one bothers Daniel Craig for two hours and we just hang out with him in Jamaica. That's just what you uh, want to do in real life. Yeah, like I'm like I wish Felix Leiter, who you know Jeffy Wright rules, and he's really, really, he's a completely different character in this movie. By the way, he's like <laughs> yeah. cracking. Like this movie was a real mishmash, and I really enjoyed this part of it, of like so many different like. I would say types of bonds, but if you like mishmashed all of like the tones of the Craig movies, you would get this movie. This this felt like a cumulative effort. Like uh, like uh, Fukunaga, Fukunaga and the other uh, you know three writers sat down and kind of 
thought about how they could pay homage to each of the four previous movies. Mm -hmm. But my main take on this movie before we get into spoilers is that you can really feel the four screenwriters in this because of that tonal thing. You know what I mean? Like there's so it's a really long movie, but I feel like it can be broken into like four or five different parts that are like completely different movies. And we'll talk about what parts we like the most, obviously, but Mm -hmm. what were your overall thoughts on no time to die? Uh, I thought it was, I'd rank a third in in the Daniel Craig saga. (laughs) So it's interesting because if you had said I rank it third of Bond movies, I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that. It looks good. This is like, this movie's like very directed too. Like they definitely Mm -hmm. got someone who directed it, you know? And um, I I, I could see someone really hating this movie and somebody really liking it. So I'm, I'm, you know, uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you fall there. Yeah, it was very, it was very, it was very well done, but it was also very safe in a lot of ways where I don't think this will be something that we'll point to the set pieces of, you know, right. to come, except maybe for those who stand anadarmus um, all over the place. I was going to say there are actually two really good set pieces in this two hour and 45 minute movie, but uh, yeah, anadarmus, we can say uh, without spoiling anything is she's great in this movie and um, she's so good. Like she, like I've never seen, I've never seen a character in a movie leave you wanting way more of that character like this. Right. Yeah. And that was the consensus too, with the friends of mine that went to go see it. Um, but I think overall, like the villain, I didn't really care too much about kind of came out of nowhere. His plan. Right. I don't really know what the heck was going on there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I like the romance side of it. I really do. But I think, I think it was done actually pretty well. You know, I'm yep. not going to bad about that. I thought it was done well. Even with uh, there's that scene in the forest that I think is just super strong and it has both sides of Bond. Yeah, I mean, the movie's the most dramatic Bond, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you can't say it's the most action-packed. You can't say it's the funniest, although it has a lot of that. But it's got to be the most dramatic. Like, Craig is like... Craig's going for, like, an Oscar nomination in this movie. Like, he's given you every side of his Bond that he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and good for him. You know, Daniel Craig is someone that I have really struggled to like over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie and this press tour specifically, him kind of being like, God, thank God I'm done playing Bond. I might have turned the corner on him. I think I like him. Huh, you don't. You didn't like him in Knives Out. Well, Knives Out is obviously the starting point for that, of being like, do I like this guy? And then No Time to Die comes out, and he actually looks like he's having fun. And I'm like... Maybe I like Daniel Craig, or maybe he's just mellowing out now that he doesn't have the pressure on him to be James Bond all the time. But that's not reviewing the movie. Let's get back to reviewing it. And also, we don't use the word review on this show. We just talk about movies, really. Um, yeah, Rami, Rami Malek's uh, villain, uh, super overacted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like super slow delivery and everything. It's very funny when they bring Christoph Waltz in for one scene, and he just out-acts Rami Malek like crazy. <laughs> You're like, oh, they should not have done this to, right. to Rami. But, um, that, that's probably the weakest part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, the fact that, like, is this, I, I want to get in, let's just get into spoilers. People are going to see this movie or they're not. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go see No Time to Die and then uh, listen to the spoilers. So, Adam, go ahead and sound the spoiler alarm. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, yeah, right. so what was Rami Malek trying to do? Like, he was, he had these nanobots that were – you know what? The movie – it was safe because the movie would show the nanobots could specifically trigger, like, entire races, right? And you even right. get a moment with the Lashana Lynch 007 character where the uh, the – the doctor who's been pretty nice throughout like you know what i mean he just says like i could eliminate your whole race if i wanted to i'm like holy shit this guy like went crazy like immediately (laughs) this guy met one black person and immediately became super racist (laughs) um 
<laughs> but uh, Rami Malek, um, he like he it does it, so he shows like up on the big board or whatever. He says like I can target these three hundred thousand people in Europe, but it doesn't tell you what people. Is the movie yeah, telling exactly. us that he's like targeting like a race that lives in Europe? Because that's that is really like crazy. And Rami Malek is like like just distinctly evil in this movie for no real reason other than right. like. Mr. White from like the old movies killed his family. Oh, by the way, what'd you think of that opening scene? Right. She, uh, it was f- fine. It was fine enough. I mean, that's kind of the part that lost me a little bit just because there wasn't anything I could really sink my teeth into in the opening scene. Yeah, but it didn't feel like a Bond movie at all. No, it, felt, it, felt, yeah. it felt like a weird Norwegian, like um, like uh, the girl with a dragon tattoo or something. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it looked really good, and but I was like, oh wow, we're like in for like a completely different movie, here. right? Um, which you we know, were. I mean, this is a weird movie. Yeah, and you know what? I'm surprised that everyone didn't hate this movie, um, just because for <laughs> on on one side you have. Uh, the people who are the hyper masculine who hate the direction it's going in, who hate the right. new 007, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's going to be that crowd. I didn't hear too much outroar from them. But on the other side of the spectrum, too, is this movie of like a gov- government engineered virus that can't be stopped. It was released too late, and all the people who are free thinkers are the ones who are going to like be safe from it. And, and actually, people don't want to think for themselves. That's why we're releasing the nanobots. Yeah, it is really, really interesting to think about if this movie had come out, like, before COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now it feels like it's, like, it shouldn't have come out post-COVID. Right, yeah. Um, So it's, like, it had no place in this world. And I wonder if they tried to cut around any of that. It didn't feel like they did. did, The movie didn't feel like a mess. It just felt like a lot of different things uh, trying to shut the book on Craig's Bond, Mm -hmm. um, which it, it very definitively does at the end because... They kill James Bond. Right, yeah. And this is the first time they ever killed James Bond. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting. Like, I, at a certain point when I realized that the, the missile silo, like, um, roof kept shutting and he'd have to stay on the island or whatever, I was like, oh, my God, he, they're going to kill James Bond. Like, right, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't realize um, they would. <laughs> yeah, it's just like at a certain point, like, my mind just went like, whoa. Um, and by the way, preceding that is that really awesome scene in the uh, stairwell. Yeah, that's the best scene. You think so? Yeah, it's very yeah. – uh, there was re- reports that Kerry Fukunaga wouldn't leave his trailer because he was too busy playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he was he was addicted to Red Dead Redemption at the time when they were right. making it. Okay. And uh, you can kind of feel that first-person shooter vibe in that scene very much. Well, I was thinking it was going to happen because uh, Kerry's – has that fantastic uh, like long shot in the middle of the first season of True Detective. Right. So he's not he has a precedent for it, you know, you can for feel sure, the yeah. taste of it. Yeah, he's done it before and, and I, I just like it came out of nowhere kind of, kind of like one of those long takes where you don't realize it's happening until like 30 40 seconds in. Right. Uh, and I'm like, "Oh, this is interesting." But the action set piece in Norway with the helicopter and the bikes in the forest. Yeah. That's the best action set piece I've seen since like Mission Impossible Fallout. Like it's right. it's an incredible action sequence. It actually, I was almost off board with the movie. I almost pulled out my uh, King Kong versus Godzilla catchphrase of uh, this mm-hmm. movie fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, until that happened, I was like, oh, this is really great. We're adding serious stakes here um, because another crazy thing: not only does James Bond die in this movie, but he has a child. <laughs> right. So they're like swinging for the fences here, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna use the kid as the to up the stakes. And in that scene specifically, it really, really ups the stakes for sure. When you have these like Range Rovers shooting guns at the car and stuff, and 
Yeah, I mean, and the that way, scene was great. The way he takes them down is super cool. He's yeah. like very clever Bond. He's out there. He's playing with what he's got, which is not yeah. much. It's another uh, Home Alone situation. Absolutely. Where he like sets up traps. It's just, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, no, but I think uh, – so, okay. I, I want to take back – because there are – you're right. That's at least three really solid set pieces in this film just in terms of action. Right. Um, but I think where the weakness comes in is something like where we bring back – Blofeld because you know what's going to happen like you see it coming and and that's one of those rare cases where the audience 100% is getting ahead of the film where right. we know oh how is how is how, how are they going to make James Bond touch him because all he has to do is touch him to kill him because we know he has the virus right 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 uh I have to be honest I didn't see that coming <laughs> really yeah I didn't I didn't yeah but it, like the whole thing of like don't touch him don't touch him you know what I mean and yeah. like he did, and it's just like a an uncinematic way to kill off such a big character in this in this uh, even this era of Craig movies. If uh, if 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 they wanted to do that properly, they should have not revealed uh, the Leah uh, Sado's plot in all of this quite yet, or at least right, if right. she was visited. Right, like just yeah. have him die randomly from Bond's touch, and we can kind of work backwards from there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that this was obviously pre the Norway scene, so I, I was I was checking out quite a bit around that time, and mm. uh, even pulling out Hannibal Lecter style, Christoph Waltz like super slowly <laughs> being moved towards him. It didn't quite work for me. So, um, but yeah, I, I I think that the Paloma scene, Anna de Armas comes in, mm-hmm. um, has a really awesome moment where uh, she asks James Bond to like change, and. He doesn't like come on to her, but like she like very much like shuts him down like very quickly like like no I'm not interested no <laughs> like uh, no like right. which is like I think the first time we that's ever happened in a Bond movie right and I love that she plays like this nervous person and they're like literally taking shots at the bar yeah across- that was really good I it's so good that. right yeah and then later we actually use the bar for the action sequence which we've seen a million times but I love mm-hmm. that they were just at it taking shots at it. And- Paloma is like not she's nervous but then she like she goes into action and she's like fantastic right and um I did love that that scene had a lot of like weirdness to it too where like you had the the eyeball on the pillow moving around the specter party right. and yeah. yeah and uh and then you had the henchman in this one that I really liked because it felt like a really cool homage uh, where he had the eyeball that guy yeah um uh, and Cyclops. that was yeah, Cyclops. Yeah. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like that's like that. That's a really cool thing. Like I didn't love this movie, but like there was a lot of cool elements to it. Like yeah. I said, two of the writers probably got it very right, and two of the writers got it very wrong, and that's right. how you end up with a movie like this. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Is like that's why I put it third, right? Because I think it. I think in itself, there's a lot of good. I enjoyed it. I liked watching it, and I would recommend it to the Bond films or fans out there. Yeah. Um, but the strength of a movie like Casino Royale or Skyfall is on almost another level. Yeah, and uh, when Jeffrey Wright got shot on the ship by um, uh, Billy Magnuson, who uh, he's he played the kind of um, sniveling, uh, two-faced op who was with Jeffrey Wright. Remember? Yeah, really obvious got... that he was going to betray the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, he uh, he was pretty good though. Like, I, I interesting. Like, obviously, like a, a very typecast there for sure. But when Jeffrey uh, Wright got shot, I literally in the theaters went, "Oh, whack!" Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. that, "That's like one of my favorite characters," and like. They just kill him, and I think that the one thing I didn't like about this movie is how well Skyfall set up the team. And Spectre did a really good job too. Of like I mentioned earlier, your Ray Fiennes and your uh, they even added Lashana Lynch, but uh, your Ben Whishaws and your Naomi Harris's and stuff like that. They didn't really use them that much in this movie. I, I mean, they were there for sure, but they weren't being used uh, enough. 
uh, for me at least. Well, but Q, sometimes that Q had a pretty solid part in it, I think, and it's interesting because yeah. I think this is the first instance of him being gay in the films. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He he very quickly mentions that he has a date coming over. And then <laughs> right, we don't he... see it because uh, the yeah. MGM yeah. doesn't want to lose any money here. Yeah, they just want all the du- all the mouth breathing dummies who don't pay attention to the movie to just completely miss that the fact that he said he. Right. <laughs> like they miss like like uh, MGM and Amazon get away with it if he just if the audiences just miss that one word we're in the clear. <laughs> uh, but uh, and it's funny because the people they're pandering to are just, we're all just like it's not enough guys like right, exactly. like this is a this is a no win situation you're not doing enough and if you do enough you're gonna piss people off. So. Right. And then I like um, the new 007. I think they, I think she and. Daniel Craig have a pretty interesting chemistry that I think they pulled off rather well. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved uh, Lashana Lynch is good in the film, but I would have really loved it if they had just given um, 007 to Money Penny, Naomi Harris, who I think would be really good. Like, if you, if you told me tomorrow that Naomi Harris was going to play James Bond in the new movies, I'd be like, great, she's fantastic. Yeah, but it was also it was a clever way to 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 use the number. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it like 007 being just a. I didn't like when she gave 007 back to him, as if like a oh, like here you can have it back. I'm just like no, like you should be a character that just keeps it, and then maybe at the end when he dies, says I'd like to retire 007. No, I don't know. I, I, or yeah, actually that's pretty good. But but it puts them on the same level right before the big fight. Like then they become sure. friends because she says that. Yeah, that's and, true. And and then she says she she has a callback joke of it's just a number. So it's all kind of a sweet bow, you know. Yeah. And by the way, I've been shouting out the team, 007's team, and uh, Rory Kinnear as well uh, is really good in these movies. Yeah. uh, Anyway, I mean, we've gone long for sure on this movie, and it's a super long movie. But uh, I would say three, four pretty good set pieces in here kind of um, haphazardly thrown together with a a weird villain uh, plot, which is, you know, not – uncommon in, in bond movies that's for sure it's very convoluted and odd and like why is he doing this uh, because he's a he's a is it a, a poison merchant yeah. is that what he is yeah yeah but but it's good enough it's like a pretty weak vehicle but it's carrying a good enough idea you know to put the nanobots onto bond i like that. i agree yeah i agree and it, and, it, and it ends up uh really paying off at the end when rami malik essentially wins you yeah. know what i mean he's like you can never touch your child or your, uh, I was going to say your wife, but uh, Leah Sidhu ever again. And he's like, well, I'll just take some rockets to the face then. I'm, right. I'm, I'm good here. Like, Yeah, but um, it, it adds that extra layer, which I'm glad they don't even talk about. And it's like, he doesn't even want to bother touching water, you know, right. swimming away, getting on land, touching anything that they may come in contact with. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I thought that was really interesting to have his, uh, his chapter close with like Rami Malik like winning like literally like mm-hmm. scratching him in the face with that thing and being like because uh, you know when he introduces earlier that he has the vial of blood that's um I believe Leah Sadu's blood I think um I I was like oh he's gonna try and do this to him at the end but he's gonna be unsuccessful and then he does it and he's successful and I'm like oh my god like now mm-hmm. I know like James Bond is not leaving that island <laughs> like he's going to die and then like it all kind of started coming together and I was like oh they're really gonna do this right Yes, yeah. some good setups there that didn't feel forced. Those were the two right. good writers, whereas the two other ones <laughs> were the ones that wrote the whole touching yeah. Blofeld scene. So there's Fukunaga who wrote this, obviously, and then he had a co-writer 
whose name is uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, if you've ever heard <laughs> of, of, uh, of Fleabag. Wait, really? Obviously. Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge did uh, punch-ups on this. So you had Carrie uh, Fukunaga's like, <laughs> like bones, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge came in and kind of punched it up. And you can tell the parts where she punched it up because it's kind of about like the goofier one-liners and stuff. that. I actually laughed. I laughed out loud at one joke. It got me pretty good. Yeah, so um, that's probably the Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, right. serum. But uh, Robert Wade and Neil Purvis are like the two backbones of the scripts of all of the Daniel Craig ones, hmm. uh, and, pro- and maybe even predating it. But I think it's Fukunaga who comes through here and, and brings anything interesting, if, if I had to use past movies <laughs> as evidence. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think the best part of this movie is that it's good enough so that I'll be happy to just revisit the the Craig saga at some point in the future. Yeah, I watched this movie again. Like, I don't know how long it's gonna, how much longer it's going to be in IMAX, but um, shout out to Linus Sandgren who shot this movie, and uh, you obviously might know him from uh, La La Land or First Man or American Hustle, or he basically has done the Chazelle movies. Uh, he, he didn't shoot. Um, whiplash though but he does like the david o russell movies and this movie i would say it was directed really really well but it was shot really interestingly like it like maybe not great all the time although there was some stunning stunning stuff he would there was like some shots where i'd just be like this is lit weird <laughs> like it does like this doesn't look like a james bond movie uh-huh. a lot of the stuff in the norway house yeah. especially like in the beginning and stuff it just didn't feel like a bond movie yeah. but or it was, it was really interesting there. Yeah, yes. That, that felt like something else. Well, the, the yeah. last three uh, DPs on these movies, amazing. Yeah. Hoyt Van Hoytman yeah. picking it up on Spectre. Yep. Yeah. Inspector. I mean, Spectre looks really good. Like <laughs> yeah. all, all, all the money is on the screen. Inspector. There's just no script. It's right. just super bloated and boring. But uh, Blofeld. Blo- <laughs> bloated Feld. Uh, well, that was it, folks. That was a uh, sexy Bond, sexing Bond. Uh, our thoughts on the Bond franchise. <laughs> Our our haphazard thoughts on this wait, thing wait. that yeah living up to the namesake, uh, Trevor, FMK buddy. Uh, between All, the six the James six Bonds, yeah. Uh, definitely fucking uh Brosnan for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, killing um, definitely gonna kill Connery <laughs> for, for for his baggage. I'm not. I'm certainly not marrying Connery if you if you if you catch my drift with what his uh, domestic violence allegations in the past for sure. Thank you. Um, and and him literally confirming it in Playboy magazine, being like, yeah, you have to hit a woman sometimes. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like you, people used to talk like this in the 70s, and then you see like a John Wayne interview, and you're like, oh yeah, people did talk like this in the 70s. Um, Mary. I got to go with emo emotional bond. I got to go marry Daniel Craig. He's mm-hmm. like, he shows the most facets of a real human being in these movies. Right. I mean, uh, my F and my M are the same as you because of course, and yeah. my kill is Roger Moore. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, it looks like that's already been done for you as, <laughs> as the same goes for Sean Connery. But, uh, yeah, man, Brosnan for sure. But yeah, I think that's going to be Daniel Craig's legacy is the is the three-dimensional Bond. He was the first right. three-dimensional one for mm-hmm. sure. I think Brosnan tried in the 90s but got caught up in the kind of like the we're making 90s action movies versions of Bond movies. And now Craig brought like a gravitas to it that was like, you know, I think that he, it really comes full circle in this one for sure. And I think the ones where he looks like he's not having a great time, Spectre and um, Quantum of Solace, I think are, like I said earlier, he doesn't have much creative control, weirdly, over the character, or at least he's disagreeing with what they're doing with the character. Right. Um, where does it go from here? Because 
let's say they can't do gritty and emotional again like they did right. now. Yeah, I know, so it's an interesting thing is like you you cast Dev Patel as James Bond. What what do you do? What 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 does his James Bond look like? Oh, because Dev Patel's younger, right? He's like a pretty young man. So are we doing like the 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 crazy adventures of young James Bond? You know, I mean, do oh. do we do we maybe go? Do we maybe go back to like the the philanderer James Bond, like like really double down on like the sex <laughs> and stuff like that, kind of play against the uh, type? Is James Bond gonna be queer, right. uh, like outwardly? Because because you know they've they've made hints, especially with the Silva character and stuff like that, throughout this Bond series that he's bi at, at least, right? So um, that Silva like grabs his thigh after a really long monologue and says something to him suggestive, and Daniel Craig says, uh what makes you think this is my first time? Which I think is a great, <laughs> great moment in Skyfall. And um, uh, he even has a really funny line here in No Time to Die where they pull up a blonde, uh, J- Billy Magnuson, and he says, like, uh, who's the blonde? And the way he says it is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, uh, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, what, where do we go from here? Uh, Amazon bought MGM, so they're not going to take any risks. Uh-huh. So, so you it's t- all you space t- you t- you stuff. Bezos is the new Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you tell me. Your guess is as good as mine, but I have a feeling that uh, No Time to Die, even though you described it as safe, is probably going to be one of the more radical James Bond movies we're going to get for a long time. I feel like they might lean more into what they're doing here and make it more of an ensemble thing, you know? Yeah. To to focus more, because that's the thing is, like, people might go out there and say, make Bond a woman. Um, yeah. And I think Daniel Craig had an interesting and probably right take on it, like, why would you this this character's already been mired in all this bad stuff why would you just make a new character right and i think they nailed it in this one like have have some women directors get in on the game have more of like the 007 in this one and you have uh, leah's character you have money penny have more focus on the strength of the women characters that revolve around bond right and you know that you know emerald fennel is like chomping at the bit british uh, Oscar-winning lady director, just like ready to get in right. there and direct a James Bond movie, and y- y'all know our feelings or my feelings. <laughs> at least I'm promising you on women. So, right. but, um, but give it to her. Why not? You know. I and mean, well, we feel the, the one same. thing, the one thing you're not thinking about. I mean, maybe you are. Is the whole Amazon of it all? Like you, they could announce a a Bond TV show tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, yeah, but. I don't know if anyone really wants that, right? No, I don't think anyone does. But if they're like, we're doing a Bond TV show and it's starring Emily Blunt, people will be like, well, God, I gotta, sh- I guess yeah. I gotta watch this. I don't you know want to watch mean? that. <laughs> really, you don't want to see Emily Blunt uh, in a Bond show and uh, meet up with uh, John Krasinski as Jack Ryan no. from the other Amazon <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Somebody is listening to this podcast right now, just like gonna cash a big check for that idea. <laughs> God, no, yeah, I think Ensemble, Mad Max style, right, where Max is not even really there. Yeah, second fiddle, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Give me a Money Penny movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, also, over the top, go back to the nutso space laser stuff. I want to see that. Yeah, um, I mean, th- that's the thing is I, I, I think they're going to do the exact opposite. They're going to play it very, very safe because, like, our overlords at Amazon bought it, and it's like, what? they're not going to let it get out of control. I mean, they probably weren't even a fan of, like, Lashana Lynch being in this movie. So um, I don't know, dude. Get, I think it, Bezos would love to bank on first movie, first Bond shot in space, first movie, you know, out, actually out there, set in space. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then that's the other thing we haven't discussed about uh, discussed is the rise of Mission Impossible in quality during the Craig era to where now that like, when the Mission mm-hmm. Impossible movies come out, they feel like Bond movies are coming. And I think Macquarie and Cruz really unlocked a good action 
like spy movie. And I I think that we didn't talk about that at all, but maybe one day we'll talk about uh, the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Before we get out of here, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, check me out on the Letterboxd, uh, Adam with three M's, and uh, check out my website, (laughs) adamjcwagner.com, where I post the stuff I make. All right. I'm on Letterboxd as well, at Captain Dills. We have terrible names on there. It's very (laughs) funny to me. Uh, Personal on Instagram and Twitter, at Trevor Dills. And as always, you can follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all their socials. This was a long one. But I had fun talking Bond with you. It was yeah. a, 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 a treat to hear that you've seen them all. Um, I'm kind of going to go through a lot of them in November, I feel like, because November for me is always like Bond season. And I've always wanted to play Bond movies at the theater. But seeing how that double feature of those Connery classics did, I'm a little scared now. Also, we'll do a Patreon goal for uh, you versus me and GoldenEye N64. Uh, I can't wait. Thank uh, you, everybody, for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Adam, we have officially... Sec. Seed the bond. Uh, nice try. Bye. Bye. I've got a little itch down there. Would you mind? No! 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 To the right! To the right! To the right! You are a funny man, Mr. Bond. Yeah!